Welcome to the AJ Brown Show, where we talk about all things investing, options trading, and the like. Now here's your host, AJ, whose primary mission in life is to help you become a better investor. And we're back. Welcome, everybody, to the AJ Brown Show. My name is Cyprian Francis, and as always, with me is the most exciting trader in the game, <laughs> Mr. AJ Brown. How are you, AJ? Hey, everybody. Hey, Sip. I'm doing well. I'm doing I'm well. We're back. We're back up in Washington, D.C. Yes, I'm back in Los Angeles, so that means things are going good. Things are going well. Yeah, I'm. I'm digging uh, our little festive background here that we got going, right? Yeah, uh, I, I'm. I've really been feeling the spirit lately. It, it it's Simpson esque, isn't it? It looks like yeah. the Simpsons. But I I don't get too much Christmas uh, around my parts. You know, they they put no. uh, uh, Christmas lights on palm trees, which is always an interesting sight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta go rake some leaves in this yard. I gotta tell you that. But it's it's weird here. It's uh, gonna be seventy degrees tomorrow. So I wow. don't know. Yeah. Uh, today is December tenth, twenty twenty one. Uh, I can't believe it. We're almost done with an, with another year. The new year is right around the corner, and the talk of the town continues to be inflation. Today, yeah. uh, some numbers came out. Uh, we got a chart here. Uh, U.S. inflation hits 39-year high. Now, that's an interesting statistic. 1982. I remember that. That was during the beginning of the Reagan administration. Which led to... Go ahead and fulfill my memory because I wasn't around. Well, I mean, the market priced it in just like as you could. Let me show my chart really quick. I've got the S&P 500 up. The S&P 500, of course, is, you know, a lot of people on the talking heads, and we're going to talk about the talking heads in a little bit when we refer to Peloton, but uh, the talking heads always on the news are always talking about the Dow. But for us investors, we know, and traders, we know that the Dow is like the king or queen, and it's the S and P 500 that's the prime minister of the of the markets, right? So we take a look at the S and P 500 because that most represents the under, underlying symbols we deal with, and the S and P 500 is they've already priced it in, right? So it's just headlines to get kind of you know Main Street all worked up, but Wall Street's priced it in. They know what's going on. They know that that inflation is probably transitory. In fact. Just from last month, gas prices are already back down. So these are just like, uh, you know, Wall Street isn't phased. Yeah. So um, does we want to talk a little bit about uh, implied volatility? And so is is any of this inflation, uh, the market bouncing back, is that tying into implied volatility? So let's take a look at the VIX. So the VIX is roughly a measurement of implied volatility of the S&P 500. And so here you've got a chart of the VIX. And you can see that uh, about a week ago, I mean, it was incredibly high, $35.32. That's incredibly high. When, you know, the VIX at any one time, if there's not something unusual happening in the headlines, the VIX is going to be somewhere between maybe 12 and a half and 17 and a half. And Right now, it's trading at $20.39, so it's just coming back down off of whatever crazy hype is out there. Now, implied volatility, what is it, right? A lot of people talk about it, and they throw this buzzword around, but what the heck is implied volatility? 
we know what historical volatility is or volatility when we read it on the charts. If we see a big bar on the chart, like on the VIX back here on uh, December 3rd, this is a big bar. We call that a volatile bar. It means that the, the investors were in there, the buyers were going, the sellers were going and all that good stuff. That's historical volatility, but implied volatility is guessing about what the volatility is going to be in the future. What is, and how do they do that? How do they determine that? They do it from options. They do it from futures. The derivatives market is a market that people use to hedge their investments. And so when they start buying derivatives, buying options as insurance, it causes the price of options to go up. And you can actually mathematically take an options price and derive out its expiration date. In other words, the uh, effect of expiration date on its price. You can derive that out and you can even derive out the underlying symbol price. And what's left is the buying and selling pressures on that derivative. And that's the implied volatility. In other words, if there's a lot of demand for options as insurance to underlying symbols, even like the SPX or the SPY, um, that means that people are worried. They're, there's fear in the market. And that's how they determine implied volatility versus historical volatility or actual volatility we can see. And at the same time, if the price of options go down after you factor out, factor out the effect of you know, expiration date and you factor out the effect of the underlying symbol price changes and you're left with a lot of supply and not much demand, it means people are very confident and the implied volatility goes down. So implied volatility is reverse engineering the option price. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, a lot of new traders might be curious as to what the VIX is, right? So the VIX it, at times is a representation of the volatility, but at the same time, it's a contract that can be traded just like any other asset. Is that correct? Yeah. So you can definitely go trade against the VIX if you, if you, if you dare, it's very, uh, it's hard to, it's all about people's emotions. So if you think you can figure out people's emotions, I mean, I've been trying to do that for 48 years and I still get it wrong. Ask my wife. But the scoop is, is yeah, you could totally try to play the VIX. And and in theory, the, the, the structure is the same as any other options contract, right? There's buyers, yes. there's sellers, there's calls, there's puts, there's volume. And is the volume low, high, medium? Uh, the volume on the VIX tells us, again, uh, an understanding of how many people are involved in actually playing the fear and the confidence in the market. Um, one thing that a lot of investors do with implied volatility is they will overlay two charts. They will overlay the implied volatility line with the historical volatility line. It's almost like being in a car. Looking through the windshield is the implied volatility number, looking at what's coming up. Looking through the backlight or the back window is the historical volatility. And the truth is, is that they always kind of want to get in line with each other. So if the implied volatility is much higher than the historical volatility, the actual volatility that's happening, 
we know that options are overpriced and some people will actually take that option premium and they'll start selling it because they know it's overpriced compared to what the actual volatility is. And if the implied volatility is lower than what the actual volatility is, a lot of option traders take that as a signal as being underpriced and they'll start buying option premium because they know that at some point, and these two lines like to to weave past each other. And that's one way that folks trade options. That's just another pattern you can look at is the fear and confidence in the market. Now I oversimplified that and I hope nobody goes out and just trades those two lines because there's a lot more of analysis that goes into that type of trading, but it could be very lucrative. Yeah. So if we look at this VIX chart in comparison yeah. to that S&P that we were looking at, this huge spike in the VIX is basically the equivalent of the dip that happened on the third, primarily due to the the Omicron release news uh, uncertainty, right? And just as we've rallied from that, so has the VIX, the uh, calm, uh, right, fallen down. And are yeah. these three three lines that you have here? Is this kind of what you're gauging as your support, maybe? Yeah, I, I'm looking at these lines as uh, kind of an understanding of where the VIX likes to be happy, where it spends a lot of its time. And so whenever I look at the VIX, I have these lines up here to know if we're being a little bit more vol uh, volatile than we usually are. I mean, if I go back and take a look at, say, for instance, the last two years, you can see that. You know, we had this right when Biden got reelected and then, uh, you know, or actually, I think this was a lot. Uh, I'm sorry. This is leading up to the election and then the election and then all the stuff having to do with the election fraud or, or perceived election fraud. And then we kept going down and finally there was some calm. But now people are questioning whether the calm is there. And so you, you're seeing these little burps as folks get going. Even further, if I take a look at 10 years, you'll see that this is each one of the bars represents a month. And you'll see that for the most part over the last 10 years coming off of the last big, you know, the, the great regret, re, re, recession, we stayed calm. And then it started to get a little bit agitated. But really, again, this is the implied volatility. Uh, one other statistic is, is that folks looking into the future and guessing with their fear and their confidence, their emotions, folks looking into the future are often wrong. So if you play the implied volatility, you get to understand, you'll start to get right into the human psyche shown through these charts. So it's almost like folks are always saying, hey, do you have a leg up because you have an engineering background when it comes to trading? No, the truth is, is folks that actually have like a psychology background have a leg up in understanding what's going on in the markets. Yeah, that's that that's a very interesting perspective. So, uh, in terms of how you your strategy and how you're using this information, what we've been talking about over the past episodes is that boring is good for your strategies, and so this pullback in the volatility is good for a lot of the things that, that you're looking at because you kind of want that steadiness, right? Well, actually, 
So we're playing yet another facet of the options, right? We're playing a facet of the options where we know that at expiration, that premium value is going to be worthless. That's just, everybody says there's two facts in life, and that is death and taxes. Well, option traders know there's a third one, and that is at expiration, options are worth nothing. So we're actually taking advantage of the higher volatilities recently because we sell our options maybe three to five weeks to expiration. And right now, because of the fear, that price that we're getting for selling those options is much higher than usual. And then as that third rule says, at expiration, it doesn't matter what the fear is, that option is going to be worthless. So we're actually taking advantage. We like it when there's a little bit of fear in the market because we're sellers. We're selling into that fear. People, we what we have and we're selling, people want to buy. There's a demand for it and the prices are higher than usual. Yeah, interesting. So do we have anything that we're looking at this week? Off well, of- we, dude, we have to bring up Peloton. We do, we, right? So- and it just goes to show how much, you know, it's not about the fundamentals. There's a underlying component of the fundamentals of a company. But why don't you tell them what happened? Yeah, well, I'm not a big Sex in the City fan. I don't know if you are. I, I, would, I would doubt it. Um, <laughs> but uh, it was a popular show in the late 90s, I think. I don't yeah, even know er- if they made it. Late 90s, early 2000s. Right. And so HBO just did HBO Max just did a reboot. Right. So they're they're bringing back the storyline, all the characters. And in last night's episode, uh, basically, one of the main characters, Mr. Big, is riding a Peloton and he dies. Right. He has a heart attack and he dies. And this morning, the stock is down 11 percent off of a fabricated idea and that's kind of a wild situation. I don't know if there's anything that's happened like that ever, really. Uh, you know, it not I'm not sure if it if pop culture has had that much effect. I mean, we can probably look at some things in the past, but man, that is an interesting story. I got to say though, what we call that is a transient external stochastic shock. I'm sure that people are now playing into that dip by we call that amateur hour. So an amateur hour, that's the first hour of trading. We know the reason why it's called amateur hour is because that's when a whole bunch of people do their trading before they go off to work, right? It's not the actual, you know, professional or experienced traders in there. And so during the first hour, we saw see all sorts of weird stuff. And then all through the morning and afternoon session, that's mopped up and people actually will make profit off of that. So all the selling that took place will now create, you know, bargain buying on Peloton. Well, let's. You want to pull it up real quick, just to yeah. What's the ticker? The, Do you know the ticker? Um, P T O N P T O N. All right. So that gap down there. Yeah. Well, this is a. What am I looking at? Let me just make sure I'm looking at a. I'm going to look at a three month daily chart. This was actually a gap on some poor earnings, but you can see here. This is what we're talking about. These big down bars today, and how it's dropped down significantly. And so I expected to recuperate and come right back up. But yeah, a couple of weeks ago, they had earnings and earnings just didn't meet. So they really dropped about, what is this, three weeks ago? But today we're looking at these down bars and, and you know, that's that's emotional selling right there. A double whammy. And so 
this isn't an opportunity that you would seek pr- primarily because there's too much going on. There's too, too many factors and pl- it's not boring enough for our strategy. Yeah. I mean, I might, if I had some just fun spending cash, try a different strategy, like try to do a, you know, a speculative strategy, but this is not my bread and butter. My bread and butter is just create income with the least amount of effort. All right. Well, the, the unfortunate part is every day we're getting news stories like this and hyped up stocks, hyped down stocks. Um, and it's just up to us to navigate which, which ones we want to take positions in. Right. Now, I've got a little case study for us, Sip. It's on Delta Airlines because I actually got a question uh, from one of our viewers about Delta Airlines. The, they said, hey, AJ, Delta Airlines is down almost 2%. What happened to your trades? I know you sell premium trades against the airlines. What happened to your trades? Show us, right? We know that you must have some losing trades. So I wanted to step you through this. And then I wanted to give you a new trade on Delta Airlines. And I wanted to go back and look at Cleveland Cliffs from last week. So let's start off by doing kind of a uh, what happens when Delta Airlines drops by 2%, because I'll show you exactly. On the morning of November 3rd, we bought to open our contracts of some Delta Airlines January 2023 $15 calls. Now, we spent $26 and a penny. These are called back month options. We use those as a substitute for the stock itself, so we could get a discounted price on it and some extra leverage. So, on the morning of November 3rd, and I can bring back the chart and kind of h- highlight this. I'll bring my pen out. Let me get a nice bright yellow color. So that what we're talking about with respect to November 3rd is we're talking about right around November 1st, 2nd, 3rd. This bar right here. So we were right off of a bottom. We were heading back up, and that's our November 3rd bar. And about in the morning on November 3rd, We went ahead and bought some of those back month options. Great. Then what did we do? We placed a stop loss order because we're not stupid. We know that the market could turn against us. So we placed a stop loss order triggered on Delta going below $37. So if Delta dipped below $37, we'd get out of these and just take the, the knocks on the head. And then what did we do? We waited. Right. So this is basic trading, right? We did this one transaction on the morning of the November 3rd. We put stop loss on it to protect it. And then we we're, we wait. All right. Fast forward seven days, the afternoon of November 10th. Let me show you what November 10th looks like. So if I take a look over here, eight, nine, 10. November 10th is this bar right here. It's right off of the the high. I wanted to make sure that that was going to be the high and that we were on our way down. So here's November 10th. On November 10th, I sold to open some of the front month premium options. These are the November 19th. So they were going to expire nine days from the day I sold them. $43 calls. I made $1.38 per share. Right after I did that, I immediately bought to open contracts of the Delta Airlines March 38 puts. Again, this is going to be my hedge, my protection. And I basically created this trading zone between 38 and 43. 
I paid $1.47. These are my protective options. So now I've got this trade zone in place. And guess what I do now? Yeah, I wait. So I did some transactions seven days earlier. In fact, I did one transaction. Here I did two transactions. Then what happened? November 19th rolls around. In fact, that's a Friday. It's the third Friday of the month. We always get paid on the third Friday of the month. And guess what? Those Delta Airline $43 calls I sold, they expired worthless. Nobody exercised them. And so I made the money. I got to keep the money. My broker locked it in and said, that's your money to keep. And that required no action on my part. Those options expired worthless on their own. I didn't have to do anything on November 19th besides look at my bank statement and see the money go into the account. Now, the morning of November 26th is when Delta Airlines took a dump and I got stopped out. Remember that stop loss order? And when I got stopped out of my $15 calls, I got $22 per option. I didn't have to do anything. They got stopped out because of the order I placed back on November 3rd. So I did nothing. I just came in. I was like, oh, I just got cashed out of my November, uh, my uh, Delta Airlines back month options because Delta Airlines took a dump. On December 2nd, I found the perfect opportunity to sell those insurance policies. The Delta Airlines March 38 puts, $5.65. I closed the position completely that day. So think about it. November 3rd, I bought some back month options. November 10th, I went ahead and sold some premium and bought some protection. And then I did nothing until December 2nd. Some stuff happened automatically. But I did nothing until December 2nd when I saw that I was going to get a good price for selling those insurance policies. So if you factor in commissions, even though Delta Airlines, the stock, fell by 2%, my position walked away with 6.1% return on invested capital. And I only did a couple of different trades like on three different days, right? So even though Delta Airlines took a big old dookie, let me bring back the chart. Even though it took a big dookie and everybody's like, what happened to your trade? Because I created that trade zone, I wound up walking away with a real nice chunk of return for just a short amount of trade. One month making 6.1% ROI. I wish I could make that uh, in my uh, regular money market account every year. I mean, I'm making like less than a percent every year. And here I am making 6.1% even when the underlying symbol takes a dump. So that's called using options strategically, right? Yeah. And so um, what's the worst case scenario that could have happened for you there? The worst case scenario probably would have been when I bought those back month options if the underlying symbol got, or the back month option got stopped out right then and there. So it was a time component. Yeah, of course. That's what Be we're investing in, time. Because uh, a few days later, you did end up getting down to those that uh, range, but you repositioned the, 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 the trade, basically. Uh, yeah, and I didn't have to do any of that. It all happened automatically. It happened automatically based on what I did on November 10th. I created this trade zone, and if I go above or below the trade zone, 
I get all sorts of profits built into those protective options or those premium options. And what was that time sequence? Would we say like 10 days, something like that? November 3rd, November 10th, November 19th is when the options expired automatically. I got stopped out, I think, on November 22nd. And then it was December 2nd that I cashed in. So from November 3rd to December 2nd, that it's about a month. And during that month period, I walked away with 6.1% ROI, even though the underlying symbol dropped by over 2% or more. And that seems to be the strategy month over month for a lot of these opportunities that, that keep coming up. Effortless. I mean, I just want to point out that these are the type of trades we do. We do, you know, and, and you know, I, I, I pointed out the dates that I did this. I did a transaction on November 3rd. I did a transaction on November 10th and that was it. And then the trade just sits there and appreciates. And if something goes wrong, then it backs me up with the insurance. And that brings me to Delta Airlines is setting up for yet another trade. So let's talk about that. First of all, whenever I talk about potential trades, I want to make sure you guys know that, hey, this is educational purposes. You got to do your own due diligence, everything that's on the screen. I just want to make sure that you know that I'm not trying to give you advice. I'm just showing you what's possible, right? But here's what we want to think about doing. Step one, and actually this end of day fast MACD crossing with follow through actually came a couple days ago. So there's still opportunities, right? The fast MACD is shown by this. Let me bring out my little marker here. It's shown by this little green arrow here. We talked about the fast MACD last week. So if people want to hear about what the fast MACD is, they should go visit it, the replay from last week. But, and by the way, you should hit subscribe on all the different platforms so that you get notified of us moving forward. But that little thing came right here and we got some follow through days and we're coming back for a little bit of a double bottom. So there's opportunities to still get into this. And so I recommend if you're forward testing, paper trading, or even real money trading, and you've got some background behind it, Think about opening the, the, the quantity here, the 500 stock shares of Delta Airlines or five contracts of the Delta Airlines. Adjust your quantity based on your risk profile. Never risk more than about 2 to 4% of your profile. If you have a bigger portfolio, uh, uh, don't risk any more than 1% of your portfolio. So adjust that quantity. But we're talking about buying some Delta Airlines stock or some of those back month options for leverage. And put that stop loss order, we're looking at $33.25. Wait. And be patient because then step two comes around and we're going to wait for the top. We're going to use the fast MACD again, making sure it has follow through. We're going to sell to open the same number of contracts of those front month options. Again, we may adjust that depending on when the expiration is. Right now, we're looking at December 17th, $45 calls. But basically, near-term option at the money. Error to the side of out of the money. And at the same time, we're going to go out to the April $33 puts to, to give ourselves a little protection. We saw how important that protection was last month, right? That's what really capped us out. And then wait and let everything else happen automatically. You're done. Don't stay in front of the computer monitoring this thing. Let it happen automatically. On December 17th, you're gonna get a payout. And if anything bad happens, you could 
just let the stop losses work, right? Because all you're going to do after that is just simply wait for the best time to sell back your protective options. So it's as simple as step one, step two, step three, and you have to make sure you do less than do more. All right, we've got a question here from uh, some from Timothy. I'm going to go ahead and pull it up. And he basically says, are you saying you kept the bailout in place when you sold premium and bought protection? That's right. I actually kept the stop loss in place, and I usually do that because you can have both. What happens, what you have to worry about, Timothy, is if your bailout is in place and you also have your premium sold. Because if your bailout knocks out your back month option, you're now uncovered. Now, the good thing is, is that when you get bailed out, you get a ton of cash. So you're actually now cash covered. You get that cash in your account. But a lot of brokers don't like you to do that. And so they may send you a warning or something like that. So if you do have premium sold, you'll notice that my bailout triggered after the premium expired worthless. But you'll notice that a lot of folks um, will watch that. They'll have some sort of alert if their stop loss goes on. And if their stop loss triggers a, a, a back month sell-off or an underlying symbol sell-off, they'll go ahead and close the premium trade if it's still open because that's important to do. Otherwise, your broker's going to get a little bit of iffy with you because you're doing some things that put you under, you know, put them under the spotlight from the different agencies that regulate this. You're, you're playing kind of uh, uh, aggressive. Thank, thank you for the question, Tim. Uh, Timothy, if, if anybody else has any specifics, feel free to drop them in the comments and we'll, we'll pull them up here on the screen. Uh, there is another question here, AJ, from Stephen, uh, wanting to hear some follow through on the CLF trade or uh, yeah. example that we went through last week. Well, like we said last week, we were looking for that opportunity. That opportunity came on Tuesday. We got our signal. And so a lot of folks have been waiting for follow through. And some people went ahead on Wednesday and jumped into a position. Some people are still waiting. I don't think it's a bad idea that you got in on Wednesday. I think that's fine. If you're waiting for a, a new low, that's fine too. And we're just at that point where we're looking for the best time to either buy some CLF or buy some of those back month options as an alternative. The back month options a little bit cheaper, have a little bit more leverage. And that's where we're at right now. CLF looks like it's going to play out just like a textbook. And so uh, I'm kind of curious uh, as a follow up to that. So is this like because you have that in in play, is this a stock you would add to a watch list and give it some sort of a, a level to then revisit in a couple of days? Are you getting some sort of an alert that says, hey, CLF is at this resistance? That's Go ahead and question. take a look. So the scoop is, is for most of the stuff we do, we like to be what we call end of day traders. So we look for this arrow at the end of the day. So at the end of the day, when all the markets are closed, and all the, 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 you know, insanity is done, we're coming in kind of looking at what happened. And so if we see that we have a fast MACD crossing or a crossing of the three and five day exponential moving average, that's when we're going to say, hey, 
let's try to place trades on the subsequent days. And we actually try to place, place some automated trades based on just a few simple rules, basically making sure that the underlying symbol is still going in that up direction. So some people, like I said, their rules might've got them in on December 8th. Other folks might've said December 8th was a little bit iffy. Maybe we didn't have the momentum we wanted to have off of the December 7th. Uh, entry. And so they're still waiting for a nice day to get in. But that's what we're, we're we're just looking each day to make sure that the CLF is going in the right direction with some vol with some volume, right? Volume being the great validator. Awesome. Cool. So today we've got CLF that's still on the radar. We went over the, the Delta Airlines. As always, you and the Insider Mastermind crew are doing your due diligence and going through the signals every Thursday, every That's Thursday, right. every Thursday night. And I know that those are are, are humming. Um, yeah. If anyone is interested in learning more about how to get into that session, how to learn more about your strategies, there's a link in the comments. AJ uh, has an ongoing webinar every day. Feel free to jump in there. Feel free to ask some questions. And as always, feel free to uh, provide any questions on the platforms, Facebook, Twitter, uh, YouTube, TikTok, we, we've got growing now. And so um, with that, feel free to hit that subscribe button. I know you mentioned it. Um, we are dropping good content uh, every other day. We're doing this live stream every Friday. And um, anything on the horizon that, that we should be looking into next week is going to be the options expiration. No, we still have two more weeks to go, right? No, no, it is next week. Next Friday is going to be options expiration for December. We had December 3rd, December 10th, and now December 17th. That's our payday. So we're hoping that a couple of our trades, the ones that we've sold premium expiring on the 17th, that we're going to get our payout next week. We'll be talking about that. We'll kind of go take inventory on what options expired worthless and what options uh, we got exercised out on. Either way yeah. it works. And then and then after that, we're really going into the hol holiday week. And I'm, I'm assuming that's kind of going to be slow across the board. Slow, but it's interesting, Sip. So what happens is same people, you know, turn off their computers. They stop investing, you know, they go have family time and that leaves behind, you know, the type of folks that you would imagine um, don't have a life. And those people then move the markets. And it's always interesting the week before uh, the holiday season and then the week in between the two holidays of Christmas and New Year's, the market can do some crazy things because it's a few very intense people moving the market because everybody else is checked out. And so it's it creates some interesting opportunities for those of us just watching. And then, of course, after the new year, December, uh, January 2nd or 3rd, like everybody rushes back and they're like, what the F happened during all that time? And they kind of stabilize the market again. But when you think about what's really happening in the market, where like the same kind of grounded people are like, I'm going to go spend some time with my family. Let's close our investment portfolio. And it's left to those intense people to be able to move the market. It creates some fun. So we're going to be looking out for that. And end of year, I'm assuming, always has some loose ends to be tied up with big funds and things like that. 
a lot of people don't understand that that's, you know, when you go, for instance, to your day job and they give you an opportunity to pick for the year what your mutual funds are going to be in your 401k, they maybe give you five or six different mutual funds and they give you like this uh, sheet that describes the mutual fund. The mutual fund manager knows that that's marketing, right? That sheet, that what percentage of my mutual fund is here or here or there. So during the month of December, they actually reshuffle. They buy and sell different securities because they know that the marketing company is going to come in and take a snapshot of the mutual fund that they'll then use for the rest of the next year to get people interested in that fund. So they reshuffle the mutual fund for that particular snapshot creation. And then once that snapshot's created and the promo is good for the whole year, then they'll go ahead and go back. And so all that reshuffling of mutual funds during the month of December also creates an interesting uh, kind of thing going on in the markets. Yeah, it's 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 one of those months where things don't make sense and maybe we don't need them to make sense. We just want to stick to the, the strategy and the rules that you've set in place. You know, expect nothing from the markets and appreciate everything you get. That's kind of a little Buddhist Zen phrase that I use often. Expect nothing and appreciate everything. And just be somebody following on the coattails of the big money. That's going to be your safest, most reliable way to make money. That and investing in things that expire with time like we do, selling premium. And with that, I think that's where we should leave it. That's wonderful advice that I'll try and take into the weekend. And as I'm looking for opportunities, don't don't you know chase chase the big money. Just ride the waves. CLF Delta Airlines. Let's find some opportunities this upcoming week on both of them. Awesome. Uh, as always, if anyone has questions, suggestions, ideas, tickers we you want to look at, drop them in the comments. Hit that subscribe, hit that follow button, and we'll see everyone next week. Thank you for tuning into the AJ Brown Show. If you're interested in learning more about AJ and his investing techniques, head on over to tradingtrainer.com and create your free account today. And if you're not already a subscriber to the show, hit that subscribe button and we'll get you fresh content daily.